The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. Imagine growing a business with high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, and wildly happy customers. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. LinkedIn presents... The loneliest people, they have plenty of deal friends, but no real friends. Real versus deal, you know the difference. If you need to remember the difference, it's that your deal friends are useful. Your real friends are useless, beautifully useless. Happy Friday, everyone. This is The Next Big Idea Daily, and I'm your host, Michael Kovnett. Today's question is, are you happy? Sorry to ask it so bluntly, but really, that's the big question, isn't it? Are you happy? Isn't that the goal? Isn't that what we're all really after? But how do we do it? According to our guest today, happiness is built on four pillars, family, friendship, work, and faith. Well, that's easy to say, but actually achieving it can be the work of a lifetime. So let's soak in some wisdom from a couple of people who've spent a lot of time studying human flourishing, Arthur Brooks and Oprah Winfrey. Arthur is a professor at Harvard's Kennedy School and Business School, where he teaches courses on happiness and leadership. He also writes the popular How to Build a Life column for The Atlantic Magazine, and he's the author of several best-selling books. Oprah is, well, you know who Oprah Winfrey is, but among her other achievements, her long tenure as a talk show host exposed her to a phenomenal range of human happiness and unhappiness, and she brings that experience to co-authoring this book. Here's Arthur to share some of their big ideas. Happiness is not a feeling. A lot of people say to me, I sure wish I felt happier. They think of happiness as any other feeling, but it isn't. Happiness is not a feeling, just like the smell of the turkey is not the same thing as your Thanksgiving dinner. The smell is the evidence of your Thanksgiving dinner, and your feelings of happiness are evidence of real happiness. So if happiness isn't a feeling, what is it? The answer is it's a combination of three psychological phenomena, enjoyment with life, satisfaction with life, and meaning in life. This is what we need to understand and manage, and this is what we talk about in the book, understanding how to get beyond pleasure to enjoyment by adding people in memory, about how to understand that satisfaction is something you can get, but it's hard to keep. And so you need to manage not just what you have, but also what you want. And finally, meaning. How do you get meaning in life? It's a question of of figuring out why things happen the way they do, at least in your opinion, the purpose and direction of your life, and, and last but not least, why you feel that you're alive. Well, we talk a lot about these ideas because, because these things are in your grasp if you start with the understanding of what happiness really is. Not a feeling but a combination of enjoyment, satisfaction, and purpose. Happiness is not a destination. It might seem strange that the author of a book on happiness is telling you that you shouldn't search for happiness. Well, the truth of the matter is that happiness is not a destination, it's a direction. The goal is not to get happiness, but to get happier. Now, why is this? The answer is because we need bad things in our lives. We need suffering. We need unhappiness if we're going to understand what our life is all about. Now, to begin with, this kind of makes common sense. 
We have positive emotions and we have negative emotions. We like the positive emotions like joy and a sense of love and, and being interested in things. These are basic emotions that come to us from evolution so that we can get on with our lives and learn things and live better. They're nice. But there's negative emotions as well, like anger and disgust and fear and sadness. We don't want those things, but you know what? We need them. Without negative emotions, we'd be in danger constantly. We'd die. As a matter of fact, negative emotions help us to survive another day to enjoy some nice things. So we should be thankful for our negative emotions, but we need to manage them. That's the reason that happiness per se, which would get rid of all sources of unhappiness and negative emotions, that would be bad. Furthermore, if we didn't have hard experiences in our life, we all know that we wouldn't know what our life is all about. We wouldn't understand our resilience. We wouldn't have the challenges that help us later on to learn and to grow. We need negative emotions. We need negative experiences in our lives. But we also need to manage these things in our lives. And, and when we learn to manage our emotions and our experiences, then, then we can get happier. The goal is not happiness. It's happierness. That's what we should be shooting for. You can manage your feelings. People say to me all the time, you know, it's funny, I can manage my money, I can manage my job and my career, maybe even a whole company, but I can't manage my emotions. People often feel that their, their emotions are out of control, kind of roaming around like kids running inside a house unsupervised or ghosts inside the attic. I understand that. And there's a reason for it scientifically. Emotions proceed from a part of the brain called the limbic system. The limbic system was evolved over a very long period of time, and it has one real function, which is to translate the things that you see and perceive outside you, the, the things that cross your visual cortex, what you smell, what you hear, all the things going on around you, to, to turn those things into a universal language that signals what's going on. So you can deliver it to the most evolved human part of your brain, the prefrontal cortex of your brain, and you can decide how to react how to react in the best way for you. So you see something that crosses your visual cortex, that sends a signal to your limbic system that something is nice or something is a threat, that gives you an emotion. And that emotion then can then be perceived by your prefrontal cortex so you can decide what to do. Now, this is a different way of understanding emotions, isn't it? Emotions are not just nice to have or terrible to have. You shouldn't be trying to get rid of your negative emotions. On the contrary, you should be appreciative of your negative emotions because they're signals, but you need to manage these emotions. And the way to do that is to work harder to experience those emotions more in the prefrontal cortex of your brain. That's called metacognition, being aware of what you are feeling. And the way you do that is through techniques like journaling and meditation and prayer, maybe even therapy, because you're learning about you. You're putting space between your emotions and how you react to your emotions. This is how you can manage the serious emotional business of you. And in so doing, you can choose reactions. You can substitute emotions. You can even disregard emotions, but it'll be your choice, not the emotions choice. You have a distinct emotional personality. Researchers on the subject of emotion have noticed that emotions, good and bad, are not opposites of each other. 
It's not that when you're feeling happy, that's an absence of unhappiness. And unhappiness is not an absence of happiness. On the contrary, positive and negative emotions, they can coexist, even intensively. Some neuroscientists even believe that positive and negative feelings are produced largely in different hemispheres of the brain. Now, what this means is that you can be the kind of person that has intense positive emotions and intense negative emotions. This is what we call a high affect person. This is a distinct personality type, about a quarter of the population, that we call the mad scientist. Everything is good or bad. Intense positive and negative emotions. On the other hand, you could be the kind of person who has intense positive emotions, but weak negative emotions. That's what we call the cheerleader. Everybody wants to be a cheerleader, right? But the truth is that cheerleaders also have some weaknesses, like they don't distinguish threats very well. And they don't like to hang around negative people, and so sometimes they get surprised by bad news. You can have very intense negative and very weak positive emotions. That's called the poet. A lot of people don't want to be a poet, but the truth is that that's also a very creative and romantic subtype, which is a real strength if you can learn to manage it. And last but not least, you can be weak in both sides. You can have weak positive emotions and weak negative emotions. This does not mean that you're not happy or unhappy. It means that the intensity of your emotions tends to be lower. This is called the judge. You're unflappable. You're sober. You make a good surgeon or other intense high-wire professions like being a parent to teenagers. If you know your subtype, you can do a lot. You can manage it. You can surround yourself with people who help you and who understand you. And you can manage your emotions to get happier. Once you're managing your emotions, you can build the four pillars of a happier life. When people are out of control emotionally, they, they actually waste a lot of time. One of the things that we always notice about people is that when they're anxious or they're sad and they don't know how to manage those emotions because they're not being metacognitive, they've not learned about their emotional subtype and how to learn and grow from these characteristics, that they tend to waste a lot of time. They numb themselves. They distract themselves with social media and online shopping and streaming Netflix, whatever their thing happens to be. They don't really enjoy it. They're just frittering away their time, hoping to feel better. Well, once you get your emotions under control, which you can with a little bit of practice and a bunch of knowledge, you're going to find you have a lot of time on your hands. What do you do with that time? The answer is spend it on the things that really matter. Science tells us that to get happier, to build the life you want, you have to build it on four distinct pillars. Here's what the four pillars are. Faith, family, friendship, and work. Let me tell you what each one of these are very briefly that we go into a lot of detail on in the book and how you can pursue these things better. Faith does not mean my faith. Faith does not necessarily mean a specific religious faith. It means a sense of philosophy or life that's bigger and more transcendent than you, that puts you in perspective and your life in perspective and gives you a sense of peace. The second is family life, the most mystical kind of love, the love you didn't choose, but is so intense. Many people are walking away from their family relationships. It's a mistake if you possibly can. Unless there's abuse, there's no good reason to have a schism in your family relationships, especially over something silly like politics. You will not have the happiest life you can if you walk away from your family love. Friendship. So many people today are surrounded by people all day long, but lonelier than ever. 
There's a reason for this. The loneliest people, they have plenty of deal friends, but no real friends. Real versus deal. You know the difference. If you need to remember the difference, it's that your deal friends are useful. Your real friends are useless, beautifully useless. And last but not least, there's work. Work, how to get happy at work. It's not about money. It's not about position. It's not about title or prestige. No, no. It's about two things and two things only. Earning your success and serving others. The feel that you're creating value with your life and you're creating that value for other people. These are the secrets to joy through work. And these are the four things, the four pillars on which you need to build the life that you want. Every day, put an investment into the accounts of your faith, your family, your real friends, and your work that's meaningful through earned success and service. All right. Thank you, Arthur. And listeners, remember to make a couple of deposits in your happiness accounts today. If one of the things that makes you happy is books, consider joining our Next Big Idea Club. That's the thing where our curators, Susan Cain, Adam Grant, Malcolm Gladwell, and Dan Pink, they pick out what they think are the eight best nonfiction books of the year, and we mail them to you, two at a time, two books every three months. It's a gift that keeps on giving to yourself or to the book lover in your life. To check it out, go to nextbigideaclub.com and use the code DAILY to get a special discount. Come on back next week. I've got a new roster of big thinkers lined up for you, and I'm looking forward to sharing their big ideas. The Next Big Idea Daily is written by me, Michael Kavnat, and edited by Kayla Bissinger. We're a proud part of the LinkedIn Podcast Network. See you Monday.